Welcome to another Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one, the only, Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? I am doing great because we have a full room here. We've it's got like a, a schmitz in oh, here. Oh, it's going to get even hotter as we as we talk, as we blow hot air. A lot of hot air. That's exactly right. Well, listen, we got a great show for you. We're going to talk about... The big event that happened in Washington, D.C. just yesterday. We had a team of people from the Friends of Israel who went down there. They're going to share all about that experience. We're going to be looking into Daniel chapter 6, and then we've got some great news for you. But before we get there, here we go. Well, welcome in, welcome in. Steve, uh, first of all, before we get to our guests, I just want to highlight uh, a favorite listener um, because they sent us, uh, she sent us gifts. You automatically move into the status of favorite when you send us a gift, and this was a special gift. This was a special gift. I've been on your case for a long time since you don't wear shoes. Uh, socks. No, I wear Brad, shoes. You wear shoes. You don't wear I'm not, socks. I'm not. And we talked about not wearing socks. And so what does Deb do for us, Debbie? Uh, it, it does say on the, just so you know, Debbie, it does say Deb here. The buyer's name was Deb. Uh, but we know who Debbie is. We do. We do. And we were kind here are of my, surprised. Here are my, what are yours? Look at yours. I love yours too. You have pink mustache pink socks. Pink mustache. Ay, ay, ay. And this, I have these, but here, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, this might, this ay, is. Ay, 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 you're going to, we have guests in here. They're going to pass out. What? You're taking off your shoes to put on socks. Well, oh, I just no. want Deb to see, look. Oh, no. <laughs> Deb. Forget uh, about it. We're in Deb. big trouble. What are you talking about? Oh. I'm fulfilling your wishes. <laughs> yeah, I'm but, doing my job. I'm putting I, my socks I know, on. No, but I, uh, when did you take a shower? That's what I want to know. Three days ago. Oh, you're killing us. <laughs> We're Look at, dying I'm putting in here. them on. I'm putting on the socks. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Steve, yeah, take yeah. over the show. I'm putting uh, my socks uh, on. I'll do. I'll do a play by play. He is now removing his shoe. He's putting on. He's got bare feet. And the lady, we have ladies here. <laughs> Who are, oh, there we go. Look at that. Deb, look how great they look. What do you wear, size seven? Oh, very close, seven and a half. There you I go. A, I could tell that, that that foot's a monster. Oh, <laughs> a monster wide, not a monster long. <laughs> that, that's the biggest seven I ever saw. <laughs> no, this is a seven. Well, because it's a seven and a half. A, that baby could kick a 50-yard field goal. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> All right, well, Steve, I'm, as I put on these extra socks from Deb, these nice socks from Deb. Well, Chris, well, as you do that, we yesterday, got yesterday we tried, we really tried oh, hard. did we try? We wanted to get live on Boots on the Ground, the support Israel, standing with Israel. We knew that there'd be a lot of people. There are nearly 300,000 people. We had all kinds of people that we knew who were there, so we tried to call them. Nothing. Buckus, dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's putting up his feet again. <laughs> Thank you, trouble. Deb. We love you, Deb. And we got nothing. Uh, we tried to get a hold of people. They couldn't even. Uh, best we could get were a couple texts saying, I got no service here, etc. So we went to. We did get Bruce Scott. I don't know. Did, did you do anything? I with haven't done anything with it yet, but here's what we got from Bruce. I'll tell you what we got from him. <laughs> okay. I'm, having a great, I'm having a great time. Lots of great people here. Important I, things to be said. Fight anti-Semitism. <laughs> we did get fight That was it. I just summed up the whole meeting we had That's with Bruce. That's true. That's true. No, there were so many people down there, it was cutting the lines out. There were, I mean, you couldn't get any uh, access to 
data or any access, uh, calling people would drop the lines. There were just so many people crammed in one spot. It wasn't working out well for us to communicate, but we really, Hey, we, we tried. tried hard. We tried I, very hard. We, tried but hard. we have three guests here today who were there yesterday and we asked them if they would take the time of their busy day. All three of them are with friends of Israel. They're in three different departments and why don't you introduce them? Uh, we'll start off. We have two of them. We, Chris, because of the budget that we have with our seven <laughs> no. listeners, we only have two extra headphones That's and right. microphones. Hey, please go. We're get thankful a, for those. Go, go get a mug on a mug, a donation of ten dollars. <laughs> mug on a mug. That's right, a minimum donation, and maybe we can get another microphone and a pair of head uh, head headphones. That's right. For the but thing, we only okay? have two, so we're going to kind of rotate them. Uh, and so we're we're going to start off with Roxanne. Roxanne, we're going to start off with the Big Macher Department. Oh, big time. <laughs> the Big Macher Department. It goes first. Jim Showers is the president. Roxanne is his uh, ministry, uh, min- administrative assistant. And she was the one that put together a van with Friends of Israel people in it, mm-hmm. in the van, to go down to Washington. So, Roxanne, Welcome. Thank you. Welcome back. Be back. And what's in your hand? Let's show everybody what's in your hand. Look what I have. <laughs> That's right. If you are watching online, then you see it's an Israeli flag. But if you're listening and you're going, what does she have? She's flying an Israeli oh, look, flag right now. She's even doing waves. waves. I know. Waving in you the got wind. it down. It's like a Schmitz in here. There's no air circulation. She's faking it. I might go open a window pretty soon. <laughs> So, so Roxanne, tell us, you you helped organize it. We're so glad you did. You gave opportunity for people to go down there from our organization, the Friends mm-hmm. of Israel Gospel Ministry. Tell us just a little bit about what you experienced and saw while you were there. Yeah, it was it was really a last minute. This whole this whole event was a last minute um, decision, and there were a couple of larger organizations that um, worked together to get it all set up. And we happened to have contacts with those organizations, and so they reached out to us and asked if we would be interested in going and sent out invitations. So from the FIDF to ACLI to ICEJ, they oh, were wait, oh, wait, wait, you rewind. The letters are flying out of your hey, mouth you, here. You, you know there is a radio rule that you cannot just give an acronym out. You have to say what they are. Oh, see that? <laughs> now, now we don't even know what they are. <laughs> Well, we know it's the American Christian, Christian Leaders, Leaders for Israel, the, ACLI. And they were the main ones that I was in touch with. Yep, and that was Susan Michaels. Susan so say Michaels. it again yep. slowly to give them credit. It is the American Christian Leaders of Israel for mm-hmm. Israel. That's right. And, uh, and Jim Michaels. Showers is on the ACLI as well. He's a part of the uh, leaders, Christian Leaders for Israel with mm-hmm. Susan Michaels and many other Christian mm-hmm. leaders as well. What was another organization? FIDF, mm-hmm. the Friends of IDF, mm-hmm. and they uh, help um, lone soldiers in Israel. Mm-hmm. They have an amazing uh, nonprofit here in the United States that helps out the Israeli Defense Forces and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Was there another one? There was ICEJ. Yep, and that's um, Susan Michaels as well. Susan Michaels is just what you would call a rock star mm-hmm. when it comes to Christian Zionism, Christians who love and support Israel. And the she Jewish put people. the M in Maher. She really does. <laughs> she, we need to have her on the program. We one need day. to have her on. We got a photo op with her, so it was nice. Uh, but Susan, um, ICEJ is the International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem, uh, which is just another fantastic organization mm-hmm. as well. So that's great. So you had a chance to partner with all them in getting down there and bringing Friends of Israel mm-hmm. staff and friends down into mm-hmm. Washington. Okay, so now we got the letters out, the of, the letters out of the way. So now go back and tell us 
what it is you experienced, how you felt when you were there. How long were you there? We we were there almost all day. We were, and so we left here about 8.30 in the morning, expecting to be hit with horrible traffic and just, it was, but it was a smooth ride from 8.30. We got there at 10.30 and he jumped on the Metro and we, well, fortunately, I, I would like to have seen the three of you ladies jump on the metro. <laughs> we did. That would be hilarious. Let's well, jump. Chris, you and I were uh, over the weekend. We had a couple guys tell us, hey, let's throw a couple chairs onto the stage. Yeah, that's right. For our, for our meeting. And not be a three late. Oh, yeah, we just jumped on the metro. Jumped right on the metro. Hey. Like it's no big deal. We're young. We got it. No, so we, uh, Tim Harrison and David were there with us. And David is, um, uh, he's great with maps. So he Tell he us who us. David is. David is my husband, David Lightfoot. Mm-hmm. And so. He, Lightfoot jumping on the metro. I'm telling you, there's a lot of symbolism here. <laughs> so we he got us there safely, and unfortunately, we we got we entered on the west side of the mall, and we needed to get around to the east side of the oh, mall. You're joking. So, Was there an easy pass through? N- no. You had to go all the way around. We had to go all the way down to 10th Street to come back up to get to 7th Street. Ay, ay, ay. You must have gotten Street a lot of steps. Oh, my my Fitbit was going off. <laughs> so good job, Roxanne. That's right. No, I'll tell you if there's one thing I always remember about going to Washington D.C. It's that I feel winded by the time I get home. That's just the truth. The you know? last time I was there was with Chris's class, and we we used to take the IJS students down to D.C. to the um, Holocaust Museum, and then we'd we'd go around and visit the, the monuments and stuff. And one time we lost a student, so Mitch had to go. Mitch Treisman had to go find the student, and. The rest of the students were in the van, so Chris jumped out and said, "Hey, let's play freeze tag." <laughs> that's like that's twenty years ago. <laughs> I'm like we can't play freeze tag anymore. In- insights into FOI staff. Oh, that's right. People are constantly losing respect for Chris Katolka. He's putting his feet in the camera, playing freeze tag. <laughs> Those were the good old days. So going to DC wasn't a scary experience for me because I took the IGS students there so many times, but seeing three hundred thousand people there was a was quite the experience. And they were only expecting 100,000. I said, when I heard 100,000, I thought there's going to be more than 100,000. I'm so glad there Mm -hmm. were three. I'm I'm sorry that you had to walk all the way around the mall, (laughs) but I'm glad that there were 300,000 people there. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Steve, you had them all come up with a word to describe the event. I I thought maybe, because Roxy's only got a few moments with us. Give us your word, Roxanne. It was hopeful. It was hopeful. Why is that? Well, Hatikva yes. <laughs> is one reason, but hopeful because I saw so many people coming together, unifying under one flag, one country, one nation um, that really just want to fight to survive. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a people, it's a nation that that love life more than death. And so they celebrate it. And it's so important for us as evangelicals to support Israel and um and so it was just hopeful to see other Christians come together and support Israel. And not only that, we were holding up these signs, Christians stand with Israel. And we had so many people come up to us and say, thank you, mm. thank you, thank you. And one thing that we've heard over and over is we kept telling them, you're not alone. You're mm. not alone. Even though they see it, my friends in Israel saying are saying, why does America hate us so much? Why does the U.S. hate us so much? And we're like, well... It's coming from the universities in different areas, but the evangelical community is there. We're here to support you, and we love you. And um, that's amazing. So, well, Roxanne, so we know you have to go, hopeful. and so we're thankful. Mm-hmm. Let's give us a wave. Yay! There you go. There, there you go. We're we're really glad Thank that you, you organized doing it, and 
You're going to switch places mm-hmm. with Laura. And just yeah, and I just have one more thing oh, to say. Oh, uh, oh, of course. <laughs> I, she's telling us she had to go, Chris. I do. She's saying, "Wait, time. I got put me <laughs> yalla, first. Yalla, and now, <laughs> and now, what does she say? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got one more thing one to, more say. Thing to say. Um, <laughs> live and be well. <laughs> so, one more thing to to wrap up what I what I want to say. What's what's most on my heart is a quote that I heard years and years ago that just kind of rang true. For me personally, um, on October 7th, was a quote that said, um, this, to, to sum up this whole issue, the, the war and the fighting that's going on, is that until we accept the sacrifice of God's own son, we will continue to sacrifice our sons and daughters on the front lines. Mm. And that is why the gospel is so important. Mm. Um, because if we want true peace, if we want true shalom, it can only be found in Jesus Christ. Mm. And that's what I want to Roxanne, say. Roxanne, fitting way to close it out. A hundred percent. We're thankful. And don't forget to, t- that's it. Take, you don't want to, otherwise you're going to fall to the ground. We don't, don't want fall that. to the ground. We love you, Roxy. Thanks, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Roxanne. Bye. All right. And now, yep. And Roxy, take your drink don't, with you. Yeah. Okay. And now as Roxy's heading out. We are gonna we're gonna uh, talk Segway to here yeah we're to Kathy. Kathy yeah that's right Kathy I see you got your sign there Yay. how was it Kathy heading down there tell us your feelings tell us what you were feeling when you were going down what was kind of like in your in your heart as you were traveling from New Jersey to Washington D.C. Well when it was first announced on in our chapel at Friends of Israel I got immediately excited about it like I'm going. I'm just going. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going. I've never been to the National Mall like that to to just rally a cause mm. that, that big. Never, ever in my life been with that many people all together saying the same thing and just just being together and supporting each other. There, I just saw a lot of Jewish leaders there. Um, rabbis and young children there was there was buses buses about 20 buses of of high school children uh, middle school children that came down to support israel Mm. and it was impressive Mm. that was your word right my word that's her word to sum it up yeah your one word is impressive did you hear anything from any of the speakers that stood out to you i know that you weren't there to be able to hear everything but was there something that you heard a speaker say that made that stuck in your your mind um as speakers were speaking to 300,000 people and and I'll say it's 300,000 plus because I was watching on the news yeah uh, I you know the news was carrying uh lot every speech yeah. every I watched it yeah. and you know I don't I, they don't do that for pro Palestinian um uh, rallies but they did it for the pro Israel rallies which I am mm-hmm. thankful for because yes there were 300,000 people in attendance but I know Steve and I were watching it right here on the TV from the headquarters and uh, I know people from all around the country maybe even around the world that were watching it so while 300,000 might have been present millions could have been tuning in to hear what these speeches were was there anything that stood out to you well, they did sing Hatikva mm. at at and everyone joined in. It was a predominantly Jewish crowd. I mean, if if you're a born again believer, we're just used to our church type of of congregation. That's who we're with most of the time. But there we were there was just so many more Jewish uh representation at that. So everyone was singing Hatikva. And it just went through the crowd. If you've ever heard music through a crowd, it kind of wafts 
towards the back, and mm-hmm. it was beautiful. And you said now you are kind of on a mission to learn a hot tikva. Yes, I am. Which, if for those who are listening, maybe they don't know what hot tikva is. That's Israel's national anthem, yeah. and it means the hope. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's something you, you're a professional piano, you're a pianist. Yes. So you've yes. already played hot tikva, I feel like. Many times. Many times. Oh, yeah, a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, you know it on the piano, but you want to yeah. learn the lyrics to yeah, it. Yeah, it would have been great to, I knew some lines, but certainly not all. Mm-hmm. But uh, who else spoke? Mike Johnson spoke, our news. I saw him, I heard it and saw him speaking. That was a great, and so was the minority in the Democratic side. Uh, I f- forgot his name. Jeff but, uh, Jeffries. Yeah, Jeffries. He did a, a magnificent mm-hmm. job. A magnificent. Yeah. It was a great team. Jeffries. Yep. It was a great yes. job. Yes. Great job. Oh, it was. It was. It was unbelievable, and you could hear everything. I mean, three hundred thousand people. We still could hear everything. We could see a jumbo screen. So, did you see anybody you mm-hmm. knew? <laughs> did you run into anybody? Did you run into? Did you run into old friends? We did. <laughs> yeah, we ran into. Well, we I didn't expect to see Susan Michaels. I oh. for some reason I thought that maybe she was like part of the speaking. Um I I think I oh, thought that the speakers were like a combination of Christians and Jews and it was most it was predominantly Jewish. That Laura that But we La- ran into La- her wait. in the crowd. Laura Coleman I, is know. on introduce yourself Hi, and I, make sure you speak into the mic. You're flying away there. Kiss the mic. Yeah. There. Yeah. K- the mic. All right. Yeah, there you go. Um so I'm uh you probably, have, if you've been a longtime listener, you've met me before, but I um, and the, uh, work for Steve and Chris. Um, and then if you're, if you sign oh, up we for drive her crazy. Classes, you get lots of emails from me. So <laughs> this is what, this is what email. Laura, this is what Laura says all the time. Is anything okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, Laura is the, the, the bedrock of what Steve and I uh, try to do here in North American Ministries. Uh, Laura, we want to hear more from you in a moment, but Kathy, I want I want to I want to wrap up with, with with what you were saying with the word impressive. I want to know why it was impressive to you. Was it just the amount of people? Was it the was it the moment? What was it that stood out to you that made it impressive? I think too. I don't know if this is weird or not, but there's there's a body language with people when they're they're on the same page. Mm-hmm. And that was, we were standing in the midst of that. So, mm-hmm. sorry. It was impressive. <laughs> it was impressive. It sounds like it, it was, was emotional, and, too. And, yeah. Emotional. So let, oh, I'm impressed sorry. with Kathy. Mm-hmm. She's, Im- she's impressed with the people. We're impressed with I mean, your passion. That's and great. I mean, Don't hold back. There was a lot of, of differing things within our unity. But for that moment and that crowd, it was it was just very moving. Mm. Yeah. Kathy, um, when I was growing up, I, I was saved in Calvary Chapel. And yep. um, there was a room in Calvary Chapel called the cry room. Oh. And I used to think that's where people went who were emotional <laughs> from, the me- from the message. And I think there are so many people going into the cry room. They must be so emotional from the message. And here, you know, I, it, it was years later when I realized, oh, that's where people with babies go. Oh my! Aww, <laughs> but I appreciate the emotional, yeah. you know, if we had a cry room, I would invite you to go to it. But I oh, definitely, yeah. I, I know that feeling of emotion when it comes to, when there's a rally of people together and you're united on something that means something to you. So thank you for going. Yes, it was. And uh, thanks for holding up that. Did, was that your job at the place? Too? Oh yeah, we had to hang it over. 
hang it over our heads. Everybody had different signs, different organizations. We uh, did you get a chance to? I, were you so bold as to talk to somebody from other gr- other other people along the way besides just the little FOI group that was there? Just mainly, there were rabbis or. I know they were a level of Jewish leadership because they had the hats and. The did you say, "Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> or did you go, "Hey, we're Christians"? You no, know, they they actually approached us and saw these signs and they said, "You know, this is great. You came down to support us." We got a lot of that. Yeah, from we stuck people. out. I think we yeah. stuck out. Um, we did. Yeah, because most of the groups that we saw were either from schools, Jewish schools. Or Jewish federations, and a lot of them had the the cities that they were from. They were from all over the country, all over the country, yeah. um, and big groups. So we were we were kind of a little hub. I mean, we had we had um, a few people from from our field, um, Bruce and uh, Bruce Scott, and then Becky Meisner, and some people who've done. Bridges. But you didn't see them there. No, we saw them. Oh, we you actually did, did we meet up with them. Yeah, them. we actually were able to <laughs> connect with them. It took it, it yeah. took a while. Um, before it started, but yeah, by the time it started at one, we were with them and, um, yeah, but we definitely stuck out in, in the hub that we were in. Yes. It, you know, we were, it was very obvious that we were different. What was the yeah. practical side? Did you have water? Did you bring water with you? Did you have to use the bathroom? What? Did you wear your high heels? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no, I mean, there's some pra- 300,000 people. You're there from 1030 in the morning till when did you... Start coming back home. We left around two thirty. Yeah, yeah. It that actually. Um, I don't. I was Kathy was ready to go as soon as the email came out. Yeah. I was apprehensive. I'm not gonna lie. I was. I was gonna ask that you that about point, that about that. Laura, there was not a. There, what did you feel? We didn't have a group van or a bus or anything going, and I think Kathy was ready to just get on. And I've done. That's awesome. I've done some crazy <laughs> things with Kathy. Like we went up one time to see somebody. Uh, we went up uh, to see Michael Brown, and he was debating a rabbi. A rabbi yeah. um, up in New York, and the two of us went. And I thought, I don't know if I want to go to DC with just Kathy. She's going to cry any minute. I was, we would have figured it out. But I was actually, I lived through, um, I worked in a church in uh, Cherry Hill um, during 9 11. And I, I, the last month or so, I've, I'm sort of reliving the way I felt this like apprehension about what was going to happen. I didn't want to be in a crowd. I didn't want to be in a city. Cherry Hill, New Jersey you know, is a, there's a and lot of Jewish a, people. It's a ver- it, it impacted that community. It was, ra- it was a radical change and everybody was different after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, you know, I've been watching the news and I'm seeing the anti-Semitism on college campuses and the people, you know, ripping down um, the posters pictures yep. and the, mm-hmm. and, you know, I was expecting pushback i was was and i was actually kind of nervous about no pushback there you know of everybody you know all these high level jewish um groups were all going to be in the same place at once i was nervous i mean i know biden's you know from the front he's saying pro israel but i'm just not sure and so i was i was apprehensive i had called my sister the day before and said you know i just want to make sure you know where i am this is the plan and um, but I have to say, the city did a great job. Yeah. I didn't feel unsafe at all. That's it was great. Very news. well organized, and and like it's Kathy so- said, everybody was. It was very positive. Every the vibe was yeah very energetic. A lot of youth, 
Um, and that's your word, right? Yeah. Energetic is your word. So, um, mm. yeah, it was, it felt like a, even though it was a, even though there was, you know, there was a focus on the, uh, the hostages, um, it was very positive. Um, there was really no like, n- you know, negative chance or things like that. It was, you know, bring them, bring them home now. And actually the thing that, that struck me the most is that we got the, we, several of us had the opportunity to assist an artist who had done a, a very large banner that you can probably huh. see in aerial shots. And so I had, my, I was holding the he was holding sign the up. Sign. I was doing like the Moses thing where I was holding up I the was gonna sign say. the whole time. <laughs> and um, it was an honor to do that. Oh, that's What great. did the banner say again? It said, bring them home now. Oh, yeah. that's great. So, yeah, there were certain, um, it, this wasn't just a rally to get together. There were resolutions that were put forth from this, which was to release the hostages. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a few other ones as well. It wasn't just a gathering of people. Uh, it was that to show support, to show solidarity, yeah. but it was also an opportunity to put forth resolutions um, th- demanding Hamas release hostages and things right. of that nature. Right. So, so that was the main that the main chant um, was bring them home now, and so yeah. So I was I felt very honored to to assist her. She I she had her. I don't know that she was with a group. She was Jewish. I don't know who she was with, but she made it herself. You know, it was like a sewn banner um that she had hand painted and then she was just pulling people from the crowd and be- actually becky meisner and i uh pretty much the whole time we're holding that Kept up the, uh, right. isn't that great, isn't that great? Too. yeah so you really <laughs> yeah. both of you felt part of something bigger than yourselves yes wouldn't you say yes. that's much, true much so yeah and yeah. J- not only did we have volunteers go down but uh, I mean, uh, we have Friends of Israel staff go down, but we had Tikva team volunteers. Those are our oh, what's FOI. Tikva? Yeah, tell us. Tikva, what's Tikva? It means hope. That's where we get the word for hot Tikva from. Tikva is our volunteer team at Friends of Israel, and we had some great volunteers uh, on our Tikva team with Friends of Israel down at the event. We had a Bridges graduate down at the event showing solidarity with Israel and the Jewish people. Um, and uh, so this was really we had staff volunteers. Bridges graduates. So again, that's why when you get your mug on a mug and you go to gofoi.org forward slash mug and you give $10 as a minimum donation, we hope that you give more, you'll get a mug, but you're also supporting our volunteer network. As you could see that were that was down there uh, showing support to Israel and the Jewish people. Bridges program, which is training people to love and support Israel and the Jewish people. We have Bridges graduates there. So what a great way to support Israel and the Jewish people during this very, very dark time um, in Israel. Well, Chris, I'm really glad that we had three of our staff able to come to our podcast for our seven listeners, uh, maybe an eighth out there. And uh, ladies, you're more than, it's. you can hang out here as long as you want, or if we're getting to you, you could leave whenever you want. Make but, yourself at home or yeah. make yourself at home and leave, whatever <laughs> you want to do. Whatever you want to do. I'm not going to lie, it's quite warm in here. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no kidding. It's a it, schwitz. I'm telling you, there's a lot of hot air being, being thrown out there. Well, Steve, you know, you were flipping through a book and you're, I, I almost think in these moments, you're praying, Lord, what do you want me to say? And boom, God gives you the answer. It's true. Here's a book. It's, it's an older book. Uh, We've, we've quoted from it before. It's called I Am Jewish, the uh, Personal Reflections Inspired by the Last Words of Daniel Pearl. And, of course, he was a journalist who was murdered, beheaded, uh, uh, just a horrible death. And his family uh, put had Jewish people write 
uh, what that means to them. I am Jewish. And so, Chris, as you said, I just opened it up. What book are we studying in the Bible uh, during this podcast? We're, we're right? going through Daniel right now. And I open it up. I kid you not. It goes to a man named Ephraim Kishon, K-I-S-H-O-N, who was uh, uh, up, who was nominated for a Nobel Prize in literature in 2001. So this is 22 years ago. And at the head, at the top of the page concerning what is he going to write about? As a Jew, Ephraim says, the message of Daniel is very clear to me. Our only safe shelter is Israel. Mm. Our only safe shelter is Israel. And do you believe that? I I believe Israel was formed by your beard mate, mm-hmm. uh, my spirit animal, Theodore Herzl. He wanted a homeland for the Jewish people. Benjamin Netanyahu said uh, the safest place while the war is going on. He specifically said while the war is going on, the safest place for Jewish people is Israel. And I believe that that's true. They've I, even seen a surge of people making Aliyah during the war. Aliyah means to immigrate, to Jewish people immigrating to Israel. And you'd think during the war there'd be a decline, but there have been people that have been immigrating back even during the war um, because of the their identity that's connected as a Jewish person to the land. And so that's really, really important too. But he's... It's interesting that he's saying Daniel had a vision that the best place for a Jewish person is in Israel. Israel's the safe the safe place. It's interesting because every news thing that I'm hearing about, and you heard it from our three Gentile FOI employees, uh, they love Israel. They're Christians who love Israel. I'm a, I'm a Jewish Christian that loves Israel. You're a Gentile Christian that loves Israel. But what do we hear? We heard it from our executive director this morning at our chapel service where he says Jewish people feel alone and they feel isolated and they feel scared. Uh, uh, We heard it from our representatives in France, in Paris. There were some real strong indications of incidents uh, of anti-Semitism up over a thousand percent. Last week when we did our podcast, one of the news items was that the anti-Semitism in America is up over a thousand percent. And you and I said, I can't even a thousand percent. How can anything be above a hundred percent? But it's a thousand percent. And so, yes, I believe Israel is the place that God ordained for the Jewish people. And right now it's a place where Jewish people feel the most safe. A hundred percent. And so I'm glad that you came, especially in the times that we're living in, that book is very important that Daniel Pearl wrote, I Am I am Jew, Jewish. And that was right before, he, you know, it's, it's encouragement to us. What did he say right before he died? He didn't deny his identity. Mm-hmm. He stood fast. Uh, and that's, that's important for us as we look at, a, at an event that took place 22 years ago uh, and see we haven't advanced much, have we? The same dangers, the same anti-Semitism, and the same butchery that was perpetrated on him is was duplicated dozens and dozens and dozens of time uh, times in uh, in those kibbutzim. Steve, I was watching 
the news a couple days ago, and um, I think it, it, it was definitely, I think, on a weekend, and it was like a weekend special show or something like that, and it talked about all those um, uh, those posters that people are ripping down of the Israelis who are abducted. And so somebody did a little journalistic research and started asking a question, which I wish I would have asked, where did those come from? Who's printing those things? And so they found two Israeli artists that... Uh, just started. They're artists. I mean, but they're the ones who created all of the, put the pictures on there, the information about who they were, and developed them. And then they made them uh, available on Instagram for people to download and print out. And they, he, they said they went to bed one night and they woke up and it was viral. And now you can go to a certain website, and I'll have to try to find it, um, where you can actually download all of those uh, two hundred and forty or whatever uh -huh, it is, however mm -hmm. many they made. And you can print them out and you can post them. And those are the ones that the, uh, you know, people who hate Israel probably support the Hamas are ripping down those, um, those posters. Um, and uh, it's just interesting because it was two Israelis. They didn't expect it to become this. They didn't expect it to become identified with hate where, you know, they just thought, oh, we'll post pictures of the people who are abducted. They're not trying to be they want to remember sensitive them. or yeah. anything like that or to be politically anything. And all of a sudden people are videos of them ripping them down and and uh you know just as they walk by and it happens in suburbs it happened here in cherry hill uh there is a of uh south jersey it happens in new york city it happens in la it happens all around the world they've been printing these off and it's these israeli artists that made it so um it's a i'll have to try to find the news feed the man the woman the uh, israeli artist who did it there's a man and a woman the woman showed her face unashamed the man didn't want to give his name fully. I mean, I, I think it was, uh, he gave like a weird last name, but he covered his face up to here. He didn't want his face to be seen. So, but the woman said, see my face. I don't care. You know, she was proud about what she did. And I'm not saying he's not, but he was covering up. I guess he didn't want any service in his life, but it was very interesting because you see them ripping down these things, uh, uh, these, these signs, these posters and you don't realize where they came from. They came from two people who wanted to make a difference. Chris, let me ask you a very easy question. Why would somebody, what's the motivation to tear down posters of people who were kidnapped and who are held hostage? Why do you think they want to take those pictures down? You know, I thought about that. And I think a lot of it has to do with they're trying to, they're trying to say, communicate that what, what the Israelis are going through doesn't compare to what the Palestinians are going through, and it's all a lie. They they think that the many of these people actually believe that the that the Israelis are making up these stories. They didn't actually butcher Israelis like this. They didn't do this. They didn't take kids. They didn't do. It's all a lie. They're trying to uh, whitewash the situation. I think there are some people that believe it did happen and they're okay with it and they still want to rip it down. I do think there's a spectrum of people. I really do think that there are people who believe, and I mean this, they believe it. They believe that it actually didn't happen, that Israel made it. It's all propaganda. And then on the other end, I think there are people that go, no, it happened, and Israel's an enemy, and I don't like this, and they rip it down. Well, I don't know. There's maybe some you... of them. Well, I heard uh, one of the leaders of Hamas just say, these aren't hostages. These are prisoners. Yeah. They're prisoners. Uh, so the three-month-old that uh, they have is a prisoner of war. Uh, uh, the the three-year-old girl who watched her parents be killed was taken hostage. She's a 
a, a criminal. She's a a military criminal who is a prisoner uh, of war, uh, and they want to negotiate getting their uh, criminals, their prisoners of war, for thousands of Hamas prisoners. Oh yeah, that's what they're going to do. And it's it's interesting. They already know that Israel will take. Uh, for one of theirs, they'll give a thousand back. That's already happened, and it's just interesting how the two sides regard life, individual liberty, and individual life. Yeah, um, uh, fifty-seven Arab countries, Arab mostly Muslim countries, got together in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia recently, and it included Saudi Arabia, it included Iran, it included Turkey. It included the Palestinian president. It included all these leaders, but there were 57 of them to talk about the war between Israel and Hamas. And uh, it's fascinating what some of these countries wanted. They all agreed that Israel is not acting in self-defense, that it should stop its war. They all agreed on that. Uh, But Iran wanted to label the Israel Defense Forces a terrorist organization. And you know who said, no, we're not going to do that? Saudi Arabia. UAE, Bahrain, Morocco, um, uh, uh, Djibouti. (laughs) My kids laughed at me when I said that. Djibouti, and then um, another, I forget what the other, uh, Moratoria or something like that. Um, There were a lot of those countries that were connected to the Abraham Accords that were saying, no, no, no. We don't like the war that's going on, but we're going to leave it in the hands of the U.N. to manage this, where the Iran and the several other countries wanted a full action that the Arab states are going to take against Israel. But they wanted to label the IDF a terrorist organization, which to me, it just goes to show uh, what they think, how they think. They think the IDF is a terrorist organization. The IDF isn't launching rockets into uh, on a daily basis into Gaza or into the West Bank. It's it's uh, the terrorists that are doing that. So well, I, I will tell you, Chris, that right now, as we're uh, speaking, uh, the IDF, parts of the IDF, are actually underground, and there are Hamas people who are terrified. Yeah. <laughs> they are That's good. terrified, and rightfully so. They can hear the tanks above ground. Many of our listeners, I'm sure, have already seen videos. Israel has sponge bombs. I mm-hmm. love that. Sponge bombs yeah, where they sponge explode bomb. and they expand and they cut off entry or exit from a given uh, tunnel. And they are going methodically, very slowly. They're trying to make sure that there are no uh, uh, civilians hurt because they're right under a, a hospital. Uh, but they still want to conduct military activities because that's what Hamas wants them to do. So they're underground, uh, and they know it. Hamas knows it, and I believe they are terrified, and they should be, because Israel's coming. They are coming, and I I actually, you know, of course we want all the hostages to be released, but um, I don't think that that's going to prevent Netanyahu and the Israeli military from going in and executing Hamas once and for all. You know, I actually, for Israel My Glory, Steve, I have an article that I have to do on Hamas and Hezbollah. And it's a little overdue because it won't come out until I think March, April or something like that. 
So uh, you're holding off as long as you can to get as much info as well, you Well, it's can. not even, will there be a Hamas? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair March, question. Am I writing an article that's going to be already outdated by the time it comes out? Because will there be a Hamas? I think there'll be the spirit of Hamas, but I think that the infrastructure of Hamas will be demolished so much that it won't be able to Look, function ISIS, like it is. ISIS, which was mostly eliminated, is is changed to Hamas. If they if they uh, execute most of the Hamas people and the leadership, it's going to morph into something else because anti-Semitism isn't dead. It's been around. You and I have talked about it. Friends of Israel's talked about it for eighty five years. It's going to continue until the Messiah comes. And so we just, it, but nonetheless, they have to remove the threat that they've lived by uh, since Ariel Sharon uh, turned that place over to the PLO. And then the year later, when they elected Hamas. Hey, That's no the, one talks about that. They elected Hamas. No one talks Hamas. about that. Exactly. You know who else was terrified is uh, Darius. Because Darius had a good buddy, and his buddy was named Daniel. And the two D brothers. That's right. They Darius were, and Daniel. Darius and Daniel, and the the leaders in Daniel chapter six were terrified. Uh, they actually, I shouldn't say terrified. They were. Uh, they had. Uh, um, they were angry, frustrated. They actually, if you want to see the spirit of anti-Semitism, it's bound up right here in the story in Daniel chapter six, where these these um, governors, magistrates. Uh, that they're called satraps. That they, they were they were leaders over. They're almost like uh, provinces or 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 states of the empire, and they were so frustrated with Daniel for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe they Success. were jealous. Yeah, oh, jealous. Not, there's not a doubt in my mind that part of anti-Semitism is in general is because when a group comes in to a place and they become and they're newcomers. And they end up being more successful than the people who've been around a long time. This happens in business, Chris. Somebody's hired real quick. Somebody's been around. Longevity is certainly part of business and, and should be rewarded. In certain professions, you're rewarded simply because you last a long time. The longer you last, doesn't matter whether you're good or bad. If you last, you're going to go up the chain. You're going to get more money, et cetera. But what if you're the new kid on the block and you outproduce all the people behind? I could tell you when it comes to unions, um, I was a teamster for a short time. You were? I was a teamster. Yeah. Really? yeah I was in college. And there's What certain, did you do? What were you a teamster of? Oh, oh, it was a it was in a warehouse that supplied uh it, it was for a drugstore. All the stuff drug the drugstore need. There were multiple drugstores all around Pittsburgh and Cleveland and Toledo. I was in Northeast, living in Cleveland, and so as a teamster, you there's certain you get paid a certain amount per hour. Uh, it's all run by every, by by higher ups, and they put you in a place. You, you don't negotiate. It doesn't matter once you're hired. It doesn't matter what your abilities are. You have to conform to what they tell you to do. So some young whippersnapper comes in and he outproduces all the other people. You know what they tell him? This happens in produce in uh, the UAW. Saying, "Hey, you're going too fast. Mm -hmm. no, slow down. Mm -hmm. Slow. Do, do, what are you trying to show us up? That's the kind of mentality. So anti-Semitism has come. Now it's not a hundred percent the reason, but it's certainly part of the reason. Wherever Jewish people have gone and they've been allowed to be themselves and use their creative thinking and their minds and their 
uh, their desires and and uh, work ethic, they excel. Yeah. That's that's documented. Daniel, he wasn't wasn't he a minority? He was a minority. He was already he was old too. He was and an old, he excelled. He excelled, and it even says that they couldn't find. They wanted to they wanted to bring some accusation against him. Couldn't and they find couldn't find anything. a single thing. He has a man of integrity, and then it says. Uh, we're gonna never find. We're not gonna find anything for on this guy Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So we're gonna get him anti-Semitism from a religious angle. You know there is two forms of anti-Semitism. There's religious anti-Semitism, and then there is um, genetic, which is the angle that the Nazis went. They went that more genetic route. Oh, you're a Jew. This is who you are. Then they even would start to make it the noses look bigger. Look at the Jews have bigger noses. It's a genetic form. Genetically, they're predis- uh, Jews are predisposed to do act and think like this. It's not even has anything to do with their religion. If you read things coming out of uh, uh, the, the the propaganda coming out of Nazi Germany, it was that Jew- all Jews are like this. There isn't a good Jew. Because they're all like this. It's baked into their DNA. And so it wasn't even religious at this point. It was genetic, uh, uh, the DNA of who a Jewish their person blood. is. Exactly. It's their blood. Exactly. Yep. And yep. so here they went for the religious side. Oh, we can't get them here on integrity, but you know what? We'll get them on, on this. And what they did is they set up a, they set up Daniel. And oh, they, yeah. They and he up. knew he was being set up. That's right. It was a perfect setup. And the setup was... Hey, you got to bow down to King Darius. You can't bow down to any other god but King Darius for a month. And King Darius, I'm sure he's like, whatever. Yes, to go ahead and do that. He signs it in the law. He can't take it back. And Daniel refuses to do it. And so he gets thrown in the lion's den. And here's well, where tell us about the law of the Medes and the Persians. That's you just you kind of glossed over it, but it really plays a, a role in in a lot of biblical things. Uh, what does that What does that mean? Once he signed it, what? What does that mean? Well, once it's signed, it can't be un- He can't go and redact it. Or so change- he, well, he can redact it, but he can't redo- undo it. He, he can't, can't undo the Even law. the king can't undo what the king signed. So he doesn't get a second chance. If he seals it, it's done. It's done. Now, he can add, like in the case of Esther, he can add to he it. He can add to it, which is Jews have the right. He was saying you can defend yourselves. That's right. But he couldn't change. And uh, Chris, just as a sidelight, you know, God is that way. That's a yes. Do you know God is that way? That that when God said, "In the day you eat thereof, you will surely die." That's in Genesis. And do you know God could not, because of His integrity and because of His person, His character, it, it His makeup, it's who He is. He can't violate Himself. And so when He said, "In the day you eat, you're dead, man." Mankind is going to be in trouble if Adam, you do this. Mm-hmm. And so God had to find, Darius had to find another way. Uh, and God had to find another way. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing is that it's not even, a lot of times I think people read the Old Testament and the New Testament and they think that, oh, God, he, he uh, found a loophole. Nope. God didn't find a loophole. He sent his only son. That's it, not a loophole. Paid in full. Paid Somebody, in full. It, it's the, somebody's got to pay here. Yep. So, hey, we have a mug. We had to buy the mugs. We're, we're happy to get people a deal. You know, you give us $10 it's, uh, and we'll send it to you. Nothing is free in life. Nothing. Somebody's paying. Kids think that. Oh, you know, look, I got I got this or I got that. Chris, 
Well, you know, you know what this is like too is that you know we live outside of Philadelphia, and crime is rampant, and that's because there were laws, and the laws said you do if you you know commit certain crimes you'll land in jail, and what happened was these uh, these liberal district attorneys come in and they go ah let's flex the law a little bit let's flex it. So that, you know, now if you steal up to $1,000, nothing happens to you. So basically you're telling a kid, I can walk into a store and steal a TV and bupkis and happens. They, yeah, it's true. Do you know what some companies are doing now? They're putting photographs of products. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. They'll you, probably you get have stolen to too. Ring, you have to ring a bell and say, I see that picture of, of those diapers? I, I want those. <laughs> and so they have to go in the back and get it for you because that's right. They change, they're they're just saying, oh, you know, no cost to crime. And that's uh, why I think a lot of people think God did. That he went and he goes, ah, we'll just manipulate the law a little bit to allow people to have a relationship with me. No, he is both the just, just, and, and the justifier. Boy, that's so critical to understanding, isn't it, Chris? It, and so Daniel, Daniel is doing what he normally does, and he, I can't say he doesn't care. He knows what's happening. He's been around a long time. He's willing to pay the cost. That's the key. Okay, this is the this is the law. I understand. I'm not going to bow down. And I'll open the window just to make sure if anybody's looking, I'm praying my three times, and I'm bowing down to my God, not to those gods. And so he was willing to pay the pay the price. Mm-hmm. And the king was not too happy with himself. No, uh, he realized he's been bamboozled probably. And that's the same thing that happened to um, Xerxes in... In uh, Esther, is he realized he's been bamboozled as well? He's been. It's it's almost the exact same theme in in the yes. uh, yep. from Daniel six to Esther. But the point though is that D- uh, Darius goes in the morning to find out. You know, I'm sure he's going. Oh Lord, he please. didn't even sleep. No, he was he, terrified. He he liked Daniel. Daniel was an important person in his life. He was doing a great job. Uh, you know, don't we talked about it last week? But don't you marvel that. Daniel was able to get along with the Babylonian Nebuchadnezzar, and now they transition. We read about that. The meeny, meeny type, uh, uh, tickle. Uforsen. Uforsen. And, uh, you know, the handwriting's on the wall. And, uh, by the way, keep your goods, no problem. And he just segues to the next leader. <laughs> Here I am. And they say, you're great. Yeah. So, now he's the third and he's one... He's in. He's a top dog. He's, he's really a consultant. He's like a consultant. It's, they just go. Oh, this business. We'll move it over here. You come with us. That's and help right. Us so out. he had all the service with Nebuchadnezzar. Now he's got Darius. He, he said, "King, I'll I'll see you later." Do they, you think at this point Daniel's going? Ah, whatever happens. I mean, like at, I do. Yeah. At this point, I mean, God has done so much for him and for his colleagues. I think he felt sorry for Darius. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> put me in. But I'm telling you. You're the one that might be in more trouble than me. Why don't you read the text? We're going on and on here. Yeah, well, it says, uh, um, I'll, I'll start in verse 19, because that's when Darius shows up at the first light of dawn, verse 19. The no, king- start, go one verse behind. Do, okay. Do the then, verse before. Then the king re- returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in, angu- in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, 
been able to rescue you from the lion's den. You know what I love about that is that he's saying, Daniel, the God that you serve all the time, so much so that you wouldn't even bow down to me, that you bupkis to me, everything to God, you submitted completely to God and his law. And the schmoozer Daniel answers? How does he answer? How does that schmoozer answer? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. You know, what a great testimony, Steve, that you might disagree with uh, the politics that are coming out and policies that are coming from certain administrations from Washington, D.C. But it's just a sign from Daniel here that you should still pay them respect. Here he is, here he is, and look at here is a pagan king who, of course, was sad to see his friend get thrown into the lion's den, but he put him in there. And then Daniel comes and says, may the king live forever. Like you said, schmoozing 101. Uh, he's schmoozing 101. You know what he's saying? I got this. I got, <laughs> I got this. But isn't that it's, the... But it's not... He. I'm not saying he was arrogant. He was putting himself in the hands of the living God. And so he had this... Because he was confident that God had him. And that's where I think we need to be as Christians. Because I think the story is the same for Christians. We are living in the world. It's not the world. It's not the home that God promised. uh, Or that this isn't heaven. This is uh, still controlled by Satan. We're 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 just passing through We're ambassadors for Christ, which means we're not actually home. We're ambassadors. We represent Christ here on earth. Which means that th- we're in diaspora. We're we're not surrounded by the uh, world we want to be surrounded by, and so here is a testimony of Daniel, who's able to look up to that ruler and say, "May the king live forever." But I really know who's in charge here, and it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you know what it says at the end of verse twenty-three? I have the New King James, and it reads this way: "Because he believed in his God." That's why. Because he believed. Now, does that mean that? In everything in life, because we believe that Jesus rose from the grave after he conquered sin and death for us, that everything's okay for us? No, it doesn't. I told you, my line is, is anything okay? Mm -hmm. But bottom line, we're in the hands of the Savior, and we're in good hands. Mm -hmm. It says, the king was overjoyed, gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den. So it tur- the tables were turned. Again, uh, uh, a direct thematic connection to Esther when Haman, who was once the one ready to put all the Jewish people on the gallows, finds himself on the gallows. And his family. Yeah, 100%. And just this is the same thing, exact same thing. Um, and along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all yeah, their so, bones. So now, King, in verse 25, King Darius is going to send out an email, Chris. <laughs> he's sending out an email. Why don't you read? What was the email? He's sending to, he's, this is an email to all his people That's in right. the kingdom. That's right. May, he writes this in his email. Uh, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear fear and uh, reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Chris. 
You get this. E- you're you're there in Persia. You get this email. You know what you're going to ask. First question, you ask your buddy, you see them, or another family. Hey, did you get the email from Darius? What happened? Yeah. What happened? I believe that there were Gentiles communicating of the miracle of the lion's den uh, and the testimony of the God of Abraham, or in this case, uh, the God of Daniel. Uh, they wouldn't know who Abraham was, but the God of Daniel uh, and what the God of Daniel did. That email was a glory email. It was a glorious message that brought honor to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, you know, this all stems back to Genesis 12, 3. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And then also the promise that God made to Abraham, Abraham in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You know, a lot of times I think when when you're studying the Old Testament, you can think the Jewish people are God's chosen people, and that can sound like it's some inclusive club. It was never intended to be an inclusive club. It was designed to be exclusive, where it invites people into the worship of the God of uh, the, the nations. The Jewish people were to be a kingdom of priests to the world, and that's what Daniel is showing us. Daniel is giving us hints that even right now, Uh, As you're reading through the text, prophecy tells us there's a day coming when the Messiah will come, the Jewish Messiah will come, and he will establish his throne, and it will be a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Preach it, brother. Yeah, that's something that's coming. But even now, even as the Gentiles are controlling the nations, it's the picture that there is a sovereignty of God that is ruling over everything at all times. And even in those moments, pagan kings can drop their pagan ways for a moment and look up and see God is in the God of God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is in control of everything. It's an amazing story. Many Christian kids know the story. We hope we gave you just a little dif- different perspective than maybe the Sunday school. Yeah, hundred percent. Hey, Steve, we've got some interesting news uh, for our listeners um, as we transition. Uh, you know, just yesterday we were talking about the fact that um, Roxanne, Laura, and Kathy, several friends of Israel representatives, several friends of Israel volunteers, Bridges graduates, and 300,000 other people were down in the Washington National Mall, um, Washington, D.C., to support Israel and the Jewish people. Uh, but about 300 Jewish people headed to D.C. Israel rally. They were left stranded by bus drivers staging a deliberate, ultimately a deliberate uh, attempt to um, snub them. You know, uh, this morning at our chapel service, we had uh, uh, one of our fellows, uh, Timothy Munger, Tim Munger, in Michigan, and he was reporting there were 900 in Michigan alone where the bus drivers refused, refused, Chris, to drive those buses so that those folks could get to the the rally. And here uh, it's 300. I'm not sure if that's part of the same group or not, but Chris... If anything concerns me, it's one thing to have counter uh, rallies. You know, you have the Jewish rally and then the Palestinian rally. And when those two are real close together, the tension is high. But you almost expect that kind of thing. And there, there's a certain makeup of a, of a person and their personality as to whether they're going to be part of a rally and how much they want to get involved. But this is a job. This is... We're talking about buses, dozens of buses that need bus drivers. And your job, you work for a company, and the company tells whatever, wherever you're supposed to drive your bus, whoever you pick up, you're supposed to do it. Chris, these folks decided, these bus drivers said, you know what? We're not going to do it. 
We, we are not going to drive these Jewish supporters to Washington, D.C. That is, if you're at, from me personally, that's deeply concerning. Mm -hmm. That tells you how deep anti Semitism is going uh, and what people are willing to do, even if it threatens their livelihood. I admire their zeal. Uh, I admire that. Oh, they must be really commit, committed to their cause. And their causes to hate Jews. That's it, not good. It says that the drivers had organized a mass sick-out day to prevent Jewish ralliers from attending the much-anticipated march, leaving just a handful available to meet their obligations. We have the the quote says uh, from the post says we have learned from the bus company that this was caused by a deliberate and malicious walk-off of drivers. The bus company, which the Federation repeatedly refused to name, that which is very nice as well. Mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. nice. If you think about it, you'd be this is an opportunity to throw the bus company under the under the bus. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. But uh, but they didn't. Um, the Jewish Federation of Detroit uh, that a significant number of drivers called out sick when they learned that they would be taking hundreds of Jewish Americans to the pro-Israel rally. The organization's David Kurzman told reporters at the press conference on. Tuesday. So just sad. Very sad. Very concerning. Uh, Chris, this isn't going away. Uh, I, I'm an American. I'm a Jewish American. I'm a Jewish American Christian. I love America. Oh, you're like a, you're, you've got a big target. huh? Uh, well, I'm, it's just sad to me that um, even if you don't agree with what they're rallying about, they're doing, this was a, a, a rally of Americans Jews and Gentiles who say, yeah, we support Israel. Okay, yeah, that other people support the Palestinians, but this is their job. They're supposed to drive the bus and take them there. But notice, at least according to the Post, this was malicious. Mm -hmm. uh, no, there was, it was, it was planned. Deep-seated and very concerning to me. Steve, another one comes out of Fox News that you found for us. Arabic copy of Hitler's Mein Kampf found in children's room used by Hamas. Israeli officials said on Sunday that members of their mil military found an Arabic copy of Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf in a children's room, which was used by a base by Hamas terrorists in northern Gaza over the weekend. You know, Steve, uh, when, when you hear this, the reality is, is that what you want in life when you see this war going on is that we're going to wake up when this is all said and done and there's going to be peace. The problem is, is that you need to raise your kids to develop that peace, that it becomes a reality. And the sad thing is, is that Israeli, Israeli kids are raised with peace in mind. They're raised to understand how their country came about, the complexities of living in Israel. They understand what it means to have Israeli Arab friends, what it means for the Palestinians living in the West Bank and Gaza. They understand all these things. They learn them. And they're learned not to. They're taught not to hate. But when you go into Gaza and you see these children are raised to hate, it's it's in embedded in their curriculum. That's how we met our friend Basem Eid. Was he was on in Washington D.C. many years ago? I met him in Washington. He was speaking at a congressional panel on why uh, America should defund the UNRWA because the curriculum that they have for Palestinians. Palestinian kids is teaching them to hate Israel and the Jewish people. And so that's being taught and embedded in their way of life as they grow up. And that's seen all throughout the the Muslim world. 
So again, here's just another example of that. Chris, it says here, the terrorist highlighted portions of the book. This was a, a terrorist who had this copy of Mein Kampf, and it had his own notes in the book. And listen to what he wrote. It starts with words, he said. It ends It ends with Jewish blood in the streets. Mm. It starts with words. It ends with blood in in Jewish in the streets. With Jewish blood. Okay. It starts with words. It ends with Jewish blood in the streets. That Chris, and that's, that's what happens. Blood curdling to think about that. This copy of Mein Kampf, and by the way, it was it's a bestseller in the Arab world. Mm-hmm. Mein Kampf is a bestseller. And and I'll say this too: that happened October seventh. It went from words to actions. They, they, this is something that I think we've been trying to tout here on the Jew and Gentile podcast for a while now. Is that. I think a lot of people are focused on October 7th, but they've been acting in a terrorist way for 15 years, launching rockets, sending in terrorists into into Israel, all of these things that they've been doing over the years. And now they did it on October 7th, and everybody's surprised when they've been telling us this is who they are, the Hamas, from the very beginning. It's in their charter. No question. And Chris, you know, I try to find humor even in just horrendous things, and I— I have to admit that Justin Trudeau makes me laugh. <laughs> even even when the, the news Canadian is Prime bad, Minister. it makes it so. Here's Brit Bart, uh, our news source for this article. Justin Trudeau rails against Islamophobia after, <laughs> so he's going to rail against Islamophobia. This is in direct reaction to an attack on Montreal Jewish schools. Wait. Yeah. They're Jewish schools. Okay, Jewish people have been attacked. Hey, I just want to warn you about being against Muslims. Yeah. Why do why do you think leaders do this? Why political? Do- he he wants to cover the people that support him. He's he happens to be a progressive. Uh and But that's- when did the progressive and Muslim uh ideals overlap with one another they couldn't be more different from each other you are a hundred it is an enigma it is amazing uh there was i'll be honest with you jew there are more progressive jewish people than there i I was just going to give the example of a jewish uh professor or no rabbi in la Uh, i don't have the news item in front of me but i read the article and the article was this was a guy he said I am so disappointed. I've stood side by side with Black Lives Matter. I have walked in the streets of L.A. side by side with LGBTQ uh, uh, supporters. And I've stood with them. And I was happy to do so. Where are they? Mm-hmm. Where, are, where are they now when my people are being oppressed, when my people are being targeted, when my people have been bur- butchered? I look to my right. I look to my left. There's nobody here. I'm alone. This Trudeau's giving you an example. Why? Oh, Jewish people attacked here. Let's make sure we protect the Muslims. Forget that. He had no mention of the Jewish. Oh, yeah, this is kind of bad. Uh, but let's not for, let's not be Islamic phobe. Uh, I have Islamophobia. You better, if you're Jewish, you better have Islamophobia. And you you have to show me when I, if I see a kafia, if I see somebody with a kafia and I don't know who they are, 
should I be confident? That doesn't mean I'm going to be prejudiced against them. But in thinking about my own my own health, what is it possible there's trouble? If I see a a, a flag, a Hamas flag anywhere in New York City, hey. and you're a Jewish person with the payas hanging down on the side, are you gonna are you gonna walk right next to that person, or are you gonna cross the street? That's self preservation. It's it's very interesting. Do you to me. think though that there's a progressive movement? takes advantage of the Jewish, uh, or I don't even, progressive might not even, maybe that's leaning too far, but do you think that they take advantage, is that the reason that they feel comfortable, you know, as anti-Semitism skyrockets a thousand percent, they go, now let's have an education on Islamophobia, and you're going, what, what are you talking about? They're trying to make sure everything is fair, and that's the worst thing, life isn't fair. If there was a rise in Islamophobia, would they start touting anti-Semitism? Uh, uh, you know, we have to be careful about anti-Semitism. No, that's no, my question. <laughs> no, not a, not even close. Uh, the Jewish people get no attention until until they start defending themselves. That's when they get the 100%. attention. It's I don't want to get too far into it. You're already there. It's the same thing with guns. Why Jewish people? We're never for guns. If anything, my own father, after he got out of the army, he could have had they. He could have kept his arms. He's. I don't want to see a gun. He, he couldn't stand it. But in Nazi Germany, that's the first thing they took away. And so in the United States, when this thing happened, the guns in Jewish neighborhoods are flying off the shelves. Mm -hmm. Why? Because somehow, finally, they're get. Wait a minute. I'm realizing if there were more guns in that uh, kibbutz, because the people who did have them emptied everything they had and were able to hold off at least for a little while in hopes of help coming. If you've got bupkis, bupkis will happen, mm. and that's that's what's happening now. It's a, it's a shame, but it's the way it is. Well, I, I wish that th that's the thing with this is you just want you want a quick answer and you don't you don't get it. Uh, at all, and so, and it, and you, you rack your brain trying to figure these things out, but uh, zygazunt, Steve, as you would say, zygazunt, live and be well. All well, right, Steve, well, Yiddish Chris, word of the day. Chris, we had three words, English words. We asked the gals; they were telling us about hopeful, impressive, youthful, energetic. Well, we we took one one of the words, impressive, and actually made a sentence out of it in Yiddish. Uh, you are impressive. We would say that crowd yesterday was impressive. That was an, wouldn't we? They were expecting a hundred thousand. They got three hundred. And in Yiddish, we'd say "urzent impressive." What does that mean? It means you are impressive. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Not you. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. They're impressive. They are impressive. impressive. You had another one too, I didn't did. you? Yes. Hopeful is Hoffnung. H O F E N U N G. I I can't even pronounce it. I never heard it growing up. But I looked it up. Hopeful is Hoffnung. Okay, you're doing a great job. You're a Yiddish uh, specialist. I bet you one of the seven listeners is going to write and said, you guys could not have been more wrong. Well, but some, that's what I looked up. Somebody did write us in once and said, you guys should learn to say Yiddish properly. So 
Zygazen. Live and be well. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Jew and Gentile podcast. Hey, be sure to check out all that we're doing by going to foiequip.org. And there you you got a class coming up. I got a class. We're going to be doing Thanksgiving from the book of Leviticus. Please go check it out. foiequip.org. You can not only sign up for that class, but you can also sign up for the class that I'm doing on Bethlehem. You know, Steve, everybody goes Bethlehem. We got a lot of Chris Katolka coming Uh, up. Only only two classes. So it's all good. Hey, listen, go to foiequip and sign up and we will see you next week.